0: Good morning, Grace. Oh, I love to worship Jesus. So good to be here. Glad you're all here. I feel like it's been a while since I preached on a Sunday morning because it has been a while. And I'm glad to be back. We got to travel quite a bit as a family and preach different places. I was just thinking about it. I think I preached 30 times this summer uh, at different places. And I, I keep being so blessed by that experience as I go to different churches. If you just listen to the media, you'll get the impression that the church in America is a mess. And in some ways, we've got some challenges. But it's so good to go to churches and say, this is a healthy, thriving, Christ-honoring place where people love each other and God's working. And so I'm blessed to be able to say that churches I visit, places like Hume Lake and Forest Home, where I got to preach this summer, have been been a blessing to be there Uh, i went to the rhetoric event on friday night that mo was able to to lead us there and she kicked the whole thing off mo that was amazing thank you so much for that um such a blessing just the cottonwood church right down the road it's just the, the, the good things are happening don't believe the hype in the opposite direction so many good things are happening. And I think we can get in such a negative mentality and just be pessimists. Christians should not be pessimists or cynical at all. My goodness, the king's coming back one day and he wins. Let's not forget that. So, so God's good. I uh, just two weeks ago preached at a church in San Diego for a few days and. Found out. I did a men's conference for them three years ago, and the highlight of that conference was when I preached the gospel one night. And this guy had brought his brother. You know the kind of brother that nobody expects to come to the men's conference, who doesn't know Christ and been praying for him for years, sort of the black sheep of the family brother. He came. And he, he came forward and trusted Christ at that, that conference. And he dove into growing in Christ in amazing ways, did this intense discipleship program, and 51 weeks after that conference, he died. And the last thing, I talked to his sister-in-law, the last thing his sister-in-law ever said to him was, I am all in with Jesus, and I'll give him whatever he wants. And then went home to be, be with Jesus. So to, to think that God's working in those sorts of ways is just a delight. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to be back in 90648 for a while. That's my, is that my zip code? 90638. You <laughs> my zip code. I don't want mail anyway. Uh, um, I'm, I'm sure many of you heard that, that Dave Talley, our dear brother, is rolling off staff uh, what it boils down to is the fact that we got sick and tired of him boasting about Alabama all the time. <laughs> and, and so he's, we, we sent him packing uh, from staff. No, th- I'm, I'm happy for my brother. He, he needs some rest and he needs to step back and assess what this next chapter of his life should, life should look like. This obviously leaves a huge void for us staff-wise at Grace. And so you can be praying for us as we think about what that that means and what it should look like for us as we move ahead. This is actually a great time to reaffirm one of the great things about our model where it's not a a one-man sort of ministry where the place gets decimated when somebody leaves. And, and so that's a good thing. And the priesthood of all believers so wonderfully at work where you don't have this big clergy-laity distinction is also something that helps frame this beautifully for us. So be praying for Dave and Joni and, and for us as we, we move ahead into this next chapter. Well, I am really pumped to preach on Mark chapter 12 this morning. I love that I love to preach. It'd be a bummer to do something I didn't love. But let's go to Mark 12 and dig into the word here. Um, And hear Jesus talk to us about seeing things differently than we tend to see them. One of the most important things I've realized in my life is that a lot of the time, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, a lot of the time, I don't really know what's going on. I, I prejudge so easily. I can be judgmental so easily. I can be prejudiced in such natural ways. Uh, it's amazing. If you got beat up by somebody when you were a kid, you can hate that kind of person the rest of your life. And, and it, it's hard for it to go away. And I, I'll never forget one time I was preaching a sermon. And I was in a church in Chicago. And about 10 minutes into the sermon, there was a dude right over there. And this is how he was. If That's where I was. He was like this. I mean, his body language, he was turned away from me. And he had this look like this on his face. And I said, oh man, I said something that ticked him off. And I have a weird brain. So the rest of the sermon, I'm rewinding what I said until I saw him trying to figure out what it was that got him angry, obviously angry at me. And it really annoyed me the whole time that the guy, he was like this, the, the whole sermon. And then on the way out, I, I got to meet him and I found out he was blind. And he actually listens far better, turned like that. I mean, looking at me does nothing for him, right? It bothered me, but it's not affecting him at all. He actually, he was probably listening better than anybody in the place, right? And I talked to him after he loved the sermon. And so talk about having no idea what I was talking about. I, I had totally misunderstood, misjudged, had the wrong impression of this guy. I've done that lots in my life, and we all need to realize how often we can be prejudiced. We can not understand what's really going on because we just don't know what we're talking about. We don't understand. We can so naturally um, take things just at face value. Just the superficial appearance. There's this Greek term that I think is so important, katasarka in the Bible, according to the flesh, just from what you see on the surface. And that's how we tend to naturally orient our lives. Just surface experiences and impressions and, and takes on things. And, and then we just assume all sorts of, we load up all these assumptions into our relations and our perceptions about people and events and things. And, and so often we're just not clued in to what's really happening. And that's what Jesus is calling us to this morning. To be clued in to God's perspective to get beyond the surface, to get beyond cultural perceptions and prejudices and expectations and intuitions and learn to see the world through God's eyes. Boy, we could sit here and brainstorm for hours about all the ways this will apply. But let's hear from Jesus this morning in Mark chapter 12. He is going after us, so get ready. I hope you came hoping to have Jesus go after you in the way we think about things. So let's read Mark chapter 12, we'll start at 38. Let me pray. Lord, we need you. We need the Spirit's work. As Walt's song he wrote this morning so helpfully reminded us, without his work, nothing will happen of lasting value. So please, Lord, I pray the Spirit would be working in our hearts, showing us the ways we we, uh, assume things that aren't true. And help us to see people and things the way you do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark 12. We'll pick it up at 38. And in his teaching, he said... Now, I want to pause there because I'm just amazed Jesus is teaching. Because he's just days and hours from being murdered. And he knows that if you knew you were going to be tortured and murdered in a few days, if you knew uh, that the people who were going to do it were right there in your midst, if you knew you were going to bear the sins of the world and the wrath of God because of it, would you be teaching people? Jesus is. Jesus is teaching That's one thing that should stun us right there about perspective differentiation, that that Jesus is about very different things than we would typically be about. And he's teaching about things like whether you should pay taxes to Caesar or not to make the point that it all belongs to God. He talks about a parable of talents just before this and and how we should steward what God gives us wisely. He's lovingly, caringly, compassionately, personally, intimately sharing, teaching, proclaiming truth to people who need it. Great love here. Great grace here. Great patience here. The triumphal entry's happened. He's in the last week of his life. I think it's Tuesday here, and it's just a few more days, and he's hanging on a cross. And he's teaching. He's teaching things they and we desperately need to know. He loves us that much. He didn't just die for us. He died for us every single day. In this way. And in his teaching he said, don't miss how stunning that is. Beware of the scribes. So we've got a warning. This is a warning. Jesus is serious. He doesn't play around. He's warning us. You need warning. We need warning. And he's given us one. Beware. Be on your guard. Don't get duped. Beware of the scribes. You know, these religious leaders who who deal with the scriptures, who understand and preach and teach and have more education than the average person by far. These scribes, beware of them. Here he is again, locking and loading on the religious leaders. It's who he went after more than anybody else. Who like to walk around in long robes. And like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues, in the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense, make long prayers. they will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury. And watch the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny, actually not even. And he calls his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. That's strange math. (laughs) Why? For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All she had to live on. So here Jesus in this beautiful passage is contrasting these proud religious leaders and this humble hoping woman. That's the contrast here that he wants us to understand. All right, I would love to hear from you. What what struck you as we went through there of particular importance? What do you want to make sure we don't miss as we went through there? Let's talk. What do you think? I ask, okay, so clear. And this is a repeated theme over and over and over again. Remind me of your name. Terry, Terry that's right, Terry. Yes, such an important theme. And that's related to what we started off talking about. That, that man who couldn't see, who was turned like this, he had no ill intent toward me in his body language at all, right? But I didn't know the state of his heart. And God is concerned about our hearts Life is a heart thing. And yes, actions matter, but the heart is where they all originate. And God sees the heart. Man looks in the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. That's right. Good, Terry, thank you. What else? What else do we need to make sure we see? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Do we give out of surplus? Or do we give self-sacrificially? Do we feel it? Yeah. Good. Thanks, Beck. Great insight. What else? Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's right. Right. If you're given out of the leftover, if you're given out of abundance, it really doesn't indicate anything necessarily about the state of your heart. Right, excellent. And so it's a trust issue, isn't it? Where is her hope found? Where are, is their hope found? The ones giving out of abundance. Good. What else? Say again. Willingness in her, on her part. Yeah, good. Good. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Elaine, you almost get the sense that as much as they wanted to be seen, she didn't want to be seen. There seemed to be an effort to be unseen here. Yeah, Chuck. Ah, so it, it, I don't think it's a coincidence that the thing Jesus highlights is they devour widows' houses, which is a funny and interesting and painful expression. And, and here she is, destitute. Good good. Um, there's so much here. We, we've just got to, to listen to Jesus here. Uh, so first of all, I want us to realize how confrontational Jesus is, how black and white Jesus is. We live in an incredibly blurry gray world, don't we? Our culture is incredibly blurry and gray, and, and the lines are not clearly drawn in anything anymore. But here comes Jesus drawing lines all over the place in the sand. Seeing things very clearly in black and white from God's perspective. And although we need to be very careful and humble with with, uh, uh, understanding of how limited we can be, as we've been saying, when we have the clear revelation of God that we are seeing, then we can have a boldness and a confidence and follow Jesus in having a strong message. A strong message. Um, that, that isn't compromising, isn't waffling, isn't always hedging your bets. It's amazing how we, we feel so constrained in our ability to proclaim. That's one of the things I loved about the rhetoric conference I went to Friday. If you heard Mo's spoken word, she did for us on Sunday night. I, I said to you, one of the last places Christians seem to be able to get away with boldness and conviction is in, in the hip-hop genre. Right and spoken word and it because there's there's still uh, an ability to speak with that sort of conviction and depth but but man where else could we feel this freedom to speak like Jesus is saying he's just calling it like it is right here he's saying they are proud and will face condemnation he's he's affirming what he believes to be true and in the process, refuting what he says is untrue. We live in a weird age where we think you can affirm something without refuting the opposite. (laughs) People say things like, well, I believe this is true, but hey, it's just for me. And and you can believe whatever you want and I'm happy for it. And we just pull the plug on conviction at all, on belief at all. Because we just want to get along. And so we don't have any truth to actually help people save people's lives because we just want to be nice but jesus you can so obviously see does not have as his primary concern is being perceived as nice he wants people to understand truth here and so he's laying out right and wrong jesus calls out these arrogant religious leaders and he opposes the proud as god does and gives grace to the humble and as God's people, we need to represent Him. We need to be His ambassadors. And when we are seeing His word and taking it for what it is and not enculturating it and domesticating it and Americanizing it, and we really do see it for what it is, we can preach it and proclaim it with boldness and clarity and conviction. Oh, we need to be people of prophetic conviction. There's a prophetic vacuum. In the culture and in the church, and we need to have Christians who are willing to speak truth clearly when we see it the way God does. And and what we're being called to is uh, this model of this woman, rather than these leaders. Uh, Look look at this picture of these leaders. It's it's actually something uh, that you'll find nauseating and. and In his teaching, he said, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes. Apparently, they walk in a way that's a strut, right? They're walking in a way that is obviously seeking attention. And they're doing it with long robes. The scribal robes were very different than what most people wore. In one, their color. They actually were different because they were so plain. Most people wore lots of colors. It was beautiful. If you ever still to this day see uh, a Middle Eastern image of people walking through the streets, it's a very colorful thing. But here comes the stark white scribal garb with a hem around it that declares who they are. And there's a lot of excess material, which you can't have if you're a blue collar worker or just a normal person. But if you use your mind, if you are superior to other people, you can get away with lots of extra material. And that's what they're trying to do, make a statement about who they are, their status in the culture. And so they're walking around with long robes, and they like the greetings, hello, rabbi, hello, scribe, uh, hello, father would be another title. They love the titles, and oh, let's not love titles. Let's not love letters after our names. Let's oh, realize that the Savior of the world who perfectly shows us humanity as it's intended would have taken the bus to work. He was a blue-collar worker. He worked with his hands. He didn't have the ability to wear long, flowing robes. And I don't think there was anything people had a harder time with than how common Jesus was. A common uneducated educated man. Same thing they said about the disciples. And here he's calling fishermen. Shepherds find out he's born. He's constantly undercutting, uh, undercutting societal socioeconomic expectations of who's important and who isn't. And we need to follow him in this. And so he wants us to know who he is. And, and what we find here is a disgusting display of pride. They, they like the seats at the synagogue right up front, right in front of the Torah scroll, looking out at the people sitting there very important looking, stroking their beards. At the feast, they would get the seat of honor. It was just a known thing. You don't sit them in the back. That's why Jesus is constantly trying to turn it's on its head every time he teaches so different than him, and what do they do? They devour. They eat widows' houses. Literally, that's what it says. They eat. The, they eat the houses of widows. Imagine explaining that one to your kids, right? They eat They devour the houses of widows. Yeah, vulnerable people. In this context, who would have not been running the financial affairs of the family, would not have been in a position to provide the way she would need to, desperately needing help, they not only don't help like the religious leaders should, they take advantage of them. They seek dishonest gain through the most vulnerable. That's why Jesus is ticked off here. And he says, judgment day is coming. Count on it. There's this idea that being a Christian and that Jesus is nothing but benign tolerance and 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 simplistic kindness but there is a judgment day that Jesus talked about over and over again. There's a really bright football player for the Texans. Big big article on him this week uh Aaron Foster who who uh is a very bright guy, raised in a Muslim family, but he's now a spokesman for an atheist organization. He's one of the few NFL players who is an outspoken atheist. You do know that football subculture is very religious and primarily Christian. Uh, when you think you might die every day, that's something that happens, right? Um, it, it, yeah, it's, so uh, you've heard the expression, there are no atheists in foxholes and cancer wards. Well, football fields is another one you can add to that. But now here's, and he's, he's very outspoken about this. It's a rare thing. He's not joining the prayer circles. And he's really smart and really witty. And he had a, a former teammate who was, who was also uh, able to talk to him and engage him on the level he needed to be engaged on because a lot of the Christians he talked to didn't have good answers for him. And so, so it, it was a great article. I loved reading it. But in spite of how smart and well-read he is, he said something that's profoundly inconsistent. He said, one of the biggest problems I have is with this idea of judgment, of hell, of God condemning people. And then he says, but if you read the teachings of Jesus and look at his character, he was a good dude. I have no problem with Jesus. Which is really inconsistent, isn't it? In our passage this morning, Jesus says they will receive greater condemnation. In chapter 9, Jesus talks about hell as strongly and graphically as you possibly can. Jesus was the Bible's leading spokesman for judgment. Now, he warned you to flee the wrath to come, and he took your judgment for you. But his grace and mercy and love mean nothing if God doesn't really care, really care about sin and injustice. And so Jesus is teaching hell here. He said, they've got hell to pay. You know James says? Not many of you should presume to be teachers because you will undergo a stricter judgment. Jesus says here there's a severe punishment for these kinds of leaders who take advantage of the, the hurting rather than helping them. Do we even have a category for punishment anymore? When I was a kid, they were called penitentiaries. You know what they're called now? Correctional facilities. Do you know the root word for penitentiary is the same one for penance and repentance? The penal system is now the correctional system. Now, I'm not saying I don't want it to be correctional and rehabilitative. I, I do want it to be that. But do we have any category anymore in any categories for Punishment being a thing that's actually deserved for injustice and for sin. Well, Jesus says judgment day is coming. He's warning us about judgment day so we don't become those kinds of leaders. Now, he needed to say these things to these disciples. Why? Because he had heard them many times arguing about who was going to be the greatest in his kingdom. And he needed, they needed to know, oh, no, 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 no. That's an entirely different way of doing things than I do. The ones you look up to your whole life since you were a little kid, judgment's coming for them. So don't follow their example in the way you lead. But whose example do we follow? This hero. You know, I, I, I hope I keep a list of people I want to meet in heaven, sort of in kind of in order. Obviously, Jesus is at the top, but I have a feeling I might have to wait a while. So I've, I've got people that I want to meet when I'm in heaven. And I remember when I first made that list years and years ago, I think Moses was right under Jesus, and David, and Peter, and I want to meet these guys. But do you know more and more, moving up the list are people whose names we don't even know, like her. And just a few chapters later, in chapter 14, we don't even know her name, but we do know she came and washed Jesus' feet with her tears, because she understood grace. I want to talk to her. I want to talk to the Canaanite woman who was satisfied with crumbs because they came from Jesus' table. I think they're even ahead of Moses right now. I want to see Moses, no doubt about it. But but, but people so obviously understand grace in these ways are the ones I really want to meet. And here comes this woman who becomes heroic for us. She becomes someone we look to who gets it. She gets it. Nothing in a worldly sense that we admire, but she gets it in a beautiful way. Now, here's how this went Jesus goes and he sits down. And no doubt he's tired. But I think he wanted to observe. He sits down, I think, very intentionally across from the treasury. Can you think of a more fascinating place to just people watch? My favorite hobby is people watching. I don't love airports, but I love watching people. So I actually enjoy airports. Because they're one of the best places to watch people. Bus stations are great places to watch people. My dad and I used to drive down to Greenwich Village and sit for hours and drink coffee and watch people. Now that's a great place to watch people in New York City. Uh, So I love watching people. And here's Jesus. He sits down and he's observing people give to the treasury. Now what you need to know about this treasury is it was very public and noisy because there were actually 13 brass artistically rendered trumpets that you put your offering in depending on what kind of offering it was. And so it was actually an audible offering and they didn't have paper money and they certainly didn't have automatic withdrawal. So this was a very public, potentially ostentatious display, exactly how it was for these giving out of their abundance. Very impressive. It's as if we just took an offering. Did you notice how those little bags that we passed are actually invented to be as discreet as possible. Right, so you can slip in actually nothing, that'd be a little dishonest, <laughs> uh, or a dime, or a big old check, or uh, your, the deed to your house. I mean, you could put anything in there and nobody knows, right? Now, let me say this real quick before we dive into the main message. I actually think we can go overboard on the secretiveness of this so that we're not actually growing and learning together about generosity. So let's not go too far. I actually think a group of men would would be more willing to talk about their pornography problem than their giving tendencies. I've had maybe three guys in my life say to me, hey, how, how are you giving? How's your giving looking? And I've been so helped in defining generosity when I say, well, how about you? And I say, oh, okay, I thought I was generous. Maybe not. And, and, so, uh, and so it's helpful to have these conversations, not, not in a way to show off at all, but, but let's not go too far. But the point here is don't give to be acknowledged for it, to uh, assert yourself. Jesus says there's a whole different economy. So it was a loud offering. Imagine if we took offerings in a pot and all we had was coins. Imagine how that would look. Stephen O'Haran's over here. Hey, Stephen, good to see you, brother. You home for a while? Yeah. You got an offering for us, Stephen? What do you got? Oh, not bad. But aren't you a lawyer? You are a lawyer, aren't you? Trained at the best school? Okay, I suppose. Um, Anna, you have an offering for us, dear? Do. You do. Oh, Recently graduated, that's rather impressive. Yes. Nice. Dave Tally. Anybody? have a guess? And that's what would happen, right? Oh, here comes Dave. Wonder what that's gonna sound like. And maybe you're even taking bets on, I bet it'll be loud. Nah, I don't like. And so he said, Dave, how you doing? <laughs> really? What? <laughs> see, and you'd have instincts even to do that. Stake it, right? When it goes in. And then Sarah Jensen, public school teacher, not expecting much. <laughs> Distant wealthy relative die. So, you see how that could go? Oh, that could be very problematic. That that could be really troubling. That's why the very small amount of people at our church who actually do the accounting know because that could so easily become troubling, right? And and so what Jesus is saying is is these leaders had really loud, really cheap offerings. Given what what they had, it doesn't... um, represent anything extravagant and this woman though had a very quiet extravagant offering in God's economy because it's a heart issue and that's why we need to see things from God's perspective not ours and so often assume we don't know what's going on or what we're talking about and so we need to back off And I love that Jesus is observing. He's an observer. I hope you're an observer. This is a huge problem that we have, isn't it? We're incredibly distracted. I love that as far as I can tell, you're all paying attention right now. That's very affirming. But we have a hard time, don't we? And for some of us, it's excruciating to pay attention to anything but our constantly buzzing phone. But Jesus is observing. He's watching. And he's watching what everybody else is watching, but is it at a different level. He's seeing the text underneath the sub, uh, he's seeing the subtext underneath the text. He's seeing the real story underneath the superficial story. He's getting past prejudice to reality. And what it takes is watching. See, that's what we need artists for, like Mo. Because artists, no matter what kind of art they do, they tend to be people who are watching at a deeper level than the rest of us. Comedians are the same way. That's why they're funny, actually. And so they're looking at a deeper level, and they're seeing things that the rest of us aren't seeing even though we're looking at the same thing. And that's what Jesus says he observes, and he's like, hey, 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 look at that woman. And are like, whoa, where? Her? Yeah. See all those people who had those real noisy offerings? She gave more than any of them. Huh? What are you talking about? Mike, could you say, say you're one of the disciples? Come here, Mike. Come here. Say you're one of the disciples, and you watch these people put all this money in there, and then this woman puts two coins that actually add up to less than a penny, and Jesus says, she gave more than they did. What would your face be as a disciple? Show me that face. What would that probably be? She put more than all of them put together. <laughs> yeah, well, right, yeah. Yeah, right. that's good, Mike. It was right. Yeah, what Jesus has real different math than the rest of us. He's got a different way of adding things up because he adds up things according to reality and according to the heart. Oh, appearances can be so deceiving, but he takes observation and biblical truth and comes out with powerful teaching. That's what we need to be doing, is is observing, watching. It's not just telling you what the passage says, but it's telling us what it says to us. And you do that through observation of what's going on. And if you don't understand this heroic woman, you won't understand Jesus. Because like Jesus, she had nothing in her appearance that was impressive. Nothing in his outward appearance that would attract us to him, Isaiah says about Jesus. No stately form or majesty. And they had a hard time with this. And so this woman is heroic, but she's just getting us ready for Friday. It's Tuesday. And Jesus is saying, look at that woman. Look at that woman. Did you see her? Don't miss her. And nobody noticed her. I want you to notice her. That's what good preachers do. Pay attention. Notice her. Don't miss her because she just did something that looks like me. She looks like I will on a cross. I was struck when I looked at, at the language here. Do you know what it says she gave? You know, an ESV will say gave... Um, uh, all she had, or all she had to live on. The word there is simply bion, from the word bios. It, she gave her life. She gave her life. She gave everything she had. Talk about hope. This is faith, this is hope. Who's gonna take care of me? God will. God will take care of me. I wanna I want hang on to this money. I wanna hoard it, but not my will, but thy will be done. And she puts it in the offering. And Jesus says, oh that looks like I do. Look at her. Don't miss her. She's getting you ready for what you're gonna see in just a few hours when I'm hanging on a cross. Don't miss her or you'll miss me. That's what he's saying. He's saying, you've got to understand what's going on in her heart to understand what's going on in mine because the Bible tells us that although Jesus was rich, he became poor so that in him we might be rich. The Bible tells us to follow his example and, and it says, don't do anything out of selfishness or empty conceit like these leaders, but consider others as more important than yourselves. Have the same mind in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he was in very nature, God did not consider equality with God the thing to be grasped, held to, but he made himself nothing, he gave his life on a cross. That's what this is all adding up to, Jesus in our place. And if if you're feeling the conviction I feel when I read this passage, we need to realize that what we need to start with is resting in Jesus, perfect generosity, perfect humility, perfect obedience for us. And then and only then can we get on with following in his steps and being and seeking humility and generosity. See, that's the gospel, that Jesus did it all and we can rest in him and then we can actually, because of the Spirit's work in our lives, start to look like him. That's the good news. That God loved this horrific world so much that he gave his only son and whoever believes in him won't die because he paid it all. He gave his life. Father, help us we are a people who are so naturally prejudiced about a thousand things. Kinds of people and uh, different experiences and what we like and we don't like, what we click on our Facebook page so easily. Lord, please, would you help us to observe and be saturated in your word and know and internalize and speak powerful truth into this world lord help us to learn the difference between these two examples today and i pray that this woman would be a hero for us because she points us to the hero jesus christ and we pray these things in his name amen